Two million people have fled Ukraine in less than a month. This brings up memories of other mass migrations from the area, the Holocaust, the pogroms. With these memories heavy on their minds, Jews in Chicago are gathering supplies, coordinating volunteers and setting up hotlines for Ukrainians who are trying to flee. Joining us today to tell us more about these efforts is Alexandra Solomon, senior editor of podcasts here at WBEZ. She recently wrote an article about the ways that Jewish Chicagoans are showing their support. Hi, Alexandra. Hi, good morning. Also with us is Jay Takath, executive vice president of the Jewish United Fund. The group is providing money and aid to refugees and people who aren't able to leave the country. Welcome, Jay. Good morning. Alexandra, can you set the stage for us? Tell us about the Jewish community in Ukraine today. Sure. You know, the Jewish community in Ukraine has this very rich, uh, some complicated, sometimes, you know, painful history in Ukraine. But when you talk to people about the community, nobody wants to talk about that anymore. All they want to tell you about is how in recent years the community has really been flourishing. You know, there's an estimated, it's a little bit difficult to get numbers. It is uh, one of the largest uh, Jewish communities. It's the fourth largest in Europe. It's upwards of about 200,000 people, depending on, you know, how people identify themselves. And while Jews live all over the country, they've been really um, kind of concentrated in some of the largest cities, places like Kiev, Odessa, and Kharkiv. Um, some people might be familiar, you know, with the story Fiddler on the Roof. The author of that story, Sholem Aleichem, comes from Ukraine. The story is actually based on a fictional town in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has this, you know, very rich, very robust community. Can you talk more about that emotional connection that many Jews feel to Ukraine? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing um, that you find in the Jewish community is that, and and I think it's maybe this isn't unique to the Jewish community in terms of the conflict. I think many of us now, just on a human level, um, you know, can identify with the sort of large-scale humanitarian um, catastrophe that's happening there. But, you know, the, the Jewish community here, I think collectively, given its history, of, um, you know, forced migration at times from places of persecution. When there is a conflict, they tend to rally um, and get together and see what they can do to help. And um, that's not, you know, just directed exclusively around the Jewish community. My own synagogue, for example, took in refugees from Afghanistan. They took in refugees after the conflict in Syria. But I think there is, yeah, this collective desire to not just sit by, but to actually do something. Yeah. Well, Jay, as uh, Alexandra has pointed out, there's a long history of Jews having to flee persecution and violence, right? So how has it been for you to see these images of millions of people fleeing Ukraine and, and knowing many of the people that are fleeing are Jews? It's all too reminiscent, as as as, as you indicated, of uh, past uh, atrocities, not just in Ukraine, but in that general area of of Europe. Uh, between the years 1918 and 1921, just for one example of one period, right after World War uh, One, 100,000 Jews were killed uh, in Ukraine by uh, Russian Bolsheviks and Russian. Uh, uh, white Army 
by Polish nationalists, by Ukrainian nationalists. They've always been, unfortunately, the, the, the common target of anybody with xenophobia and, and hatred. At the same time, uh, as Alexandra intimated, Jews are very much a, a part of the fabric of Ukrainian life today. Uh, they're serving in the military. Uh, there's tremendous pride in President Zelensky, who himself is Jewish, and he in turn takes pride in that part of his identity. And of course, Jews, like others, are also those uh, fleeing um, to neighboring countries and finding shelter elsewhere uh, in Ukraine. Alexandra, your maternal grandmother's family is Ukrainian, right? Yes. So there's um, there's another layer to this. You know, yeah, my, my, my grandmother's family um, came from a small village in a town not far from the border with Poland. They, they ran an inn, um, and, you know, like a lot of families were, were forced to flee um, right after World War One. But um, there is, I, I went to, I did a fellowship in Moldova, and I went into Ukraine uh, because I was nearby and had the chance to spend some time there. And I remember, you know, feeling like, it smelled like things I had smelled at my grandmother's house, you know, the foods that were being made. People had flowers on the table, and my, my grandmother always had flowers on the table every day. There were all kinds of things that felt very familiar to me. And, um, you know, the, the thing that I remember, and this was, you know, more than a decade ago now, was this kind of resolve that people had. You know, they had come out from under the Soviet Union and, and there was just this desire to kind of open up and do new things and and a kind of toughness that they had from having been a part of the Soviet Union. And I think we've all sort of seen that on display in these last couple of weeks as um, the fighting has been, been taking place. Jay, you, you talked about some of the painful history there. Have you heard of Jews feeling that they had to hide their Jewish identity in the past? Uh, through the, the period of the Soviet Union, absolutely, uh, where religion was actively discouraged uh, and there weren't uh, uh, public um, ability for Jews to gather and practice their, their faith. And therefore, the rates of assimilation and um, uh, led to a diminution of the number of people identifying as Jewish. Since uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, Ukrainian Jews in large numbers uh, have come to both this country in Chicago, uh, but also Israel uh, as well. And so the, the number of 200,000 uh, Jews in Ukraine currently is but a small fraction of, of the number historically, uh, a number impacted by uh, the pogroms before the Holocaust, the Holocaust, the Soviet Union's suppression of Judaism, and finally, when the doors were open, uh, hundreds of thousands choosing uh, the option of either Israel or the United States. Alexandra, the uh, folks that you've been talking with, you've been hearing from them that the Jewish community has been flourishing in Ukraine in the past mm -hmm. several days. Talk about that. Yeah. You know, one woman that I spoke with, uh, she's uh, Jewish and, and Ukrainian. She came to Chicago actually in 2005 through a Jewish program for college students. And, you know, she told me she was born in 1983. And she said, you know, when her mom was a child, 
you didn't really talk about your Jewish identities, um, that her mom knew maybe a, a little bit about the holidays, that her grandparents maybe knew a little bit of, of Yiddish, a few words here and there, but that when uh, the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, there was an ability for people to practice their Judaism more openly, her mom started working with the Jewish community in Kiev, and she began to learn a lot more about her own identity as being Jewish, and that really, um, she's not the only one, that this is kind of um, a thing that people, you know, get tattoos that, you know, would indicate they're Jewish, symbols and things, that that there's um, much more openness in the country also to talking about those difficult and painful parts of the history that Jay was describing, that people want to face that and talk about it and recognize it. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Alexandra Solomon. She's a WBEZ senior podcast editor, as well as Jay Takath. He's executive vice president of the Jewish United Fund. We're discussing the Jewish community in Ukraine and, and the efforts to provide aid for them. Alexandra, can you give us an overview of the Jewish community here in Chicago? today and and the connections there? Sure. So, you know, there are a lot of families uh, like mine who maybe have roots in the country. Chicago saw this, you know, enormous influx of Jews from all over Eastern Europe and including countries like Ukraine kind of from the 1880s through 1925. Um, There was an estimated 2 million Jews that left the period, that left the country in that period and came to places like Chicago. So you have a lot of families like mine, with those kinds of relationships. Um, You have a lot of synagogues that have established um, programs with uh, the Jewish community in Ukraine. One synagogue that I um, talked to, they're involved in a summer camp program in Ukraine. Uh, And then there are just a number of uh, Jews who came from um, Ukraine and other parts of the Soviet Union, you know, following the collapse of the Soviet Union, so around 1989, uh, 1990, uh, there are several Russian-speaking synagogues here in Chicago. Um, one of those synagogues, the rabbi told me there are about 100 members in his congregation, half of whom come from Ukraine, the other half come from Russia, and he was quick to mention that, though, as far as this conflict is concerned, they've really been been united in their support of, of Ukraine. Yeah. Well, Jay, your organization's been able to mobilize really quickly. What do you attribute to that? Um, I'd say we've been able to leverage the existing infrastructure, which we've invested in for 30 years since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, during the years of the Soviet Union, we and our partners could not operate uh, in, in that country. And in the 30 years since, uh, we've identified two areas, I, I should say three areas of, of, of priority. First, uh, welfare services, um, especially for the what are now 10,000 Holocaust survivors, uh, but of course that number was much larger uh, earlier since the uh, collapse of the, of the Soviet Union. Second, as, as Alexandria uh, uh, indicated, there's been a renaissance of Jewish life and Jewish interest in, in, in Jewish learning since the collapse of the Soviet Union. And so a good part of our resources are spent on providing those Jewish educational and cultural opportunities uh, 
particularly for the younger generation who are finding out about their ancestors and for those uh, older who for years were prohibited uh, from learning about and practicing the religion. And the third area would be uh, providing services and help for those making the decision to leave Ukraine uh, the last 30 years for either Israel or the United States. In the last two weeks uh, since this crisis uh, led to war, uh, we've been focusing, of course, on the social welfare peace. We ourselves have already forwarded millions of dollars to our partners on the ground who are working in Ukraine and in six countries that border Ukraine into which some of the refugees are fleeing. And the types of uh, services that are being provided range from temporary lodging, where synagogues, community centers, where schools are now being used uh, as places of refuge for people who have fled their homes. And right. so there's uh, bunks and, and hygienic uh, equipment and, and, and toiletries, and of course, medicine and food and, and, and blankets. And there are also now six um, transit stations for those Ukrainians who want to go mm-hmm. uh, to Israel. And Israel has committed to accepting uh, over 125,000 Ukrainians, Jews and non-Jews alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is uh, the largest per capita number of any country other than those six around yeah. uh, neighboring countries. Before we wrap, Alexandra, what do you think that this war means long term? For the Jewish community in Ukraine, you know, <laughs> I thought I, I think you know once once you see an exodus of of people from a place, it, it can be a long time before um, those people are able to return. Um, you know, want to return, depending on how long a conflict lasts. If they've you know established life in another in another country. So I guess, I, I, you know, as far as as this sort of flourishing that was happening, you know, in the last decade and a half, I think when I talk to people uh, who are from there, um, I hear a desire to go back when, when things uh, are calm. And I think um, everybody that I've spoken with hopes that, you know, this rebirth that was really just sort of, you know, kind of reaching its pinnacle will uh, will be able to continue. That's Alexandra Solomon, WBEZ Senior Podcast Editor, and Jay Takath, Executive Vice President of the Jewish United Fund. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.